0: What's up, everybody? It's Free Association on Sportsnet.ca and wherever you're getting your podcasts. I'm J.D. Bunkus. He's Donovan Bennett. I wore this shirt today to remind me of better times. It feels like it's gotten sour in Raptors land lately. Do you feel that? Do you feel those vibes? It's been a week. I know. That's but that's what it is. I think that this is where we're at with sports culture now is that we live in the moment more than ever before. Like, do you remember anything that happened in current events before coronavirus? Um. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah <laughs> Remember when they were supposed to go to war with Iran It's like there's nothing with Iran now it's like no one's ever I haven't heard a thing that's not coronavirus Iran related For two weeks I don't know anything about it anymore It's like is it over? Are we cool? Is the states cool with Iran now? Did they I mean, sign a peace treaty? Who knows? I mean they've been doing protests on train lines for a minute In Canada Correct. That's where you live, no? Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that, like, I don't know anything about anything other than what is happening exactly right now. And in Raptors Land right now, it feels like. Well, that's because you stopped watching the National after the first seven minutes. Like, you're getting the A block, and that's it. <laughs> I'm not watching any of the National.
1: Okay, well, Who hosts the National
0: now? Same host. I thought. The Nationals with Peter Mansbridge. I'm saying who hosted? Oh, after you mean Peter Man-
1: since? So you really haven't. Watched. No, I have that's not. That's been, I think, two years. Two years at least. <laughs> yeah.
0: Rosemary Barton, Ian Hennemansing. It's good. It's very good. Very good. So yeah, I think we get in these like really stupid conversations about what's negative, what's positive in conversations that everything is viewed through the lens of either like you're having a hot take or you're being an apologist now. That everything lives in these extremes those voices rise to the top when it comes to media, a lot of the times in sports as well. So every conversation is either, you know, the Raptors are a fraud or the Raptors are title contenders. And there's really not a lot of in-between stuff. And that's kind of happened with the Siakam narrative where people like you and I have discussed Siakam. I've been doing it on good show the last couple of days. I just talked to Jalen Rose about it. It's going to air today. And it's been a lot of conversation about whether he can be a one, a scorer And The perspective that's needed here is that if Pascal Siakam is not a 1A scorer on a title team, he's still an incredible success. And the fact that we're even having this conversation is bonkers considering where he started his career. And it feels like we've been in this week where that's been everything. That's been the entire conversation. It's all been about Siakam. I want to spend today with a little bit more on OG, who I think got a little overlooked in that Denver game based on where the fan base is at right now. Do you agree or do you disagree?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm actually coming out of this week high on Siakam, positive. So the Denver game, he was terrible. 16 points, 6 of 21 from the floor, 4 turnovers. But Lowry wasn't much better, and he's the 6-time All-Star. We're not having a referendum on, on Kyle Lowry.
0: You was- wearing Kyle Lowry's jersey at the Sportsnet 3-on-3 tournament was... Like a moment that I will cherish for the rest of my career. Just because. So, because your relationship with Kyle Lowry, how would you describe it as a, fa- as a fan and a journalist?
1: Fair. <laughs> I agree Wait, with I that. Mean, no, dude, he's I my agree. grandfather's favorite hey, player. Listen, I, I, I like I, Kyle Lowry. I if, know you do. If there was one Raptor where my actual, not afraid about game, but yeah. sensibilities yeah. were most like, it would 100% be Kyle Lowry.
0: Okay, I think I would agree with that. If I was going to power rank Raptors uniforms I expect Donovan Bennett to be wearing, would you say Kyle Lowry would be in the top three?
1: Well, I I mean, I don't wear uniforms, so there would be no uniform in the top three. I was given that uniform because thanks to Fanatics. Oh, I knew you were given that uniform. the the, the tournament. My team was team Red Raptor Lowry, so we, we rocked the number seven. In fact, if you looked at the fleet of jerseys that were up for grabs, Raptors Red Lowry was... One of the best I could have been given. Totally. It was like Did Lakers,
0: LeBron. Yeah, of course I kept. I what was I, I gonna do? Give it back? I tried so they could to get give in it on, to someone else. After, I tried like, to get in on that tournament. Sweat it on it. I replied to the email ten seconds after it came out. I'm like, I'd love to be there, and they're like, it's already full. I'm like, great. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. It was a. It was obviously an exclusive list. I saw the people that were there. I'm obviously part of the B part. What Would you say I'm part of the C team or a B minus team of Sportsnet? Where I would you rank I me? weigh in on such things. You're on the A team. You know it.
1: I don't know. I, I don't you know think that's true. So we've got Sportsnet Hoops Classic, which every year, this is the third year evidently. It's the first year I've played. So maybe yeah. I, I moved from D to C team. Uh, some Sportsnet personalities play with our media buyers, the agency people we deal with, salespeople. We all have a team. So playing in this tournament, Brendan Dunlop, Eric Thomas. Faisal Kamisa. I'm better than all of these guys, by it's, the way. Sure. I Listen, I don't, I don't know your on-off numbers. I can't speak to it. I think I'm the best player
0: at sports now. now you're incorrect
1: because I have, I'm not done. I mean, I played, played.
0: Brad Fay. He's pretty good. I'm okay. better than him. Uh, Brad Fay did not play in the tournament. Um, Michael Grange, better than him. Dan Shulman
1: was in than the him. tournament. I, okay. I mean, he's, got, he's a footer. He's got size on him. Don't you. care. Better. Uh, I
0: obviously played. Better than you. I mean... Definitely. You, 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 100%. Listen, you're an athlete guy. Like, I get it, but I would cook you. Listen, you may yeah. beat me. You're certainly no, not going to cook me. No, I'm going to cook you. Okay. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to score on you every time. Like, I'm going to let you pick which hand I score on. Incorrect.
1: <laughs> I may not score on you, but yeah. you're
0: certainly not running through oh, me. Oh, yeah, that's your struggle, right? I will be the
1: Pat Beverly of, of oh, any... Are you going to Trevor situation. Ariza me? <laughs> no, definitely would not do that. Um, and the best player by far mm-hmm. that's represents Sportsnet,
0: CC. Carolyn Cameron. Yeah, played with her. I'm better than her, too. Okay, well... I, like, n- she's a ball hog. <laughs> like, straight up. She, I, 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 she's I just, a huge ball hog. She I doesn't I pass. I
1: throwing down some nice dimes. Anyways, I'm not really sure how we got onto this random aside. Yeah, it's, it's I'm okay. not worried about Pascal, because you know what? I love, yeah. forget about the game, and I think he has just come to a place where Giannis is guarding me, and he's taller and bigger and stronger, and so it's going to be tough for me to get my shot off. Oh, man... Jeremy Grant is guarding me, and he's kind of like the exact same size, but all he has to worry about is guarding me and rebounding. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is gonna be tough. But what I love about Pascal is his post-game comments. He owned it, mm-hmm. he, he was there for it. He didn't even wait for people to probe him. He's like, I have to be better. Like That wasn't good enough. And so if we are charting, if he can be a 1A person, first you have to be a 1A personality, and I loved his response. This is a small sample size theater, it was one week of basketball, most of which was on the road. Uh, I'm more excited for the leader that he is slowly becoming.
0: I listen. I think that's a really great assessment. I was thrilled to hear those comments too. I think that accountability is important. And there was a game fairly recently where he struggled, and in the post game, I think it was against the Bucks, and he just he was kind of with the media saying, "What did you want me to do?" Like if you you know when athletes do that, they pull the like, "You tell me about what to do." It's like, no man, that's. People just are asking questions of how you saw the game and why you chose to settle a lot, why you only made one field goal from inside the three. And then to hear his response from the Denver game, I I thought it was good. My my biggest question with Siakam is not about his offense and getting the rim or being able to shoot because I think the progress he's made in those areas is incredible. My real question is how much can you improve as a playmaker – during your NBA career? Like, can you ever get a feel that I think you develop when you're a young kid playing pickup games? Can you become a Jalen Rose? Can you become someone who has a feel for where guys on the court, how to deal with double teams, become a naturally good passer, someone who finds other players when he dribble drives to the basket the way that elite stars do? Can Siakam add that playmaking element? I don't know how much of that is nature versus nurture, whether you can develop that later. Well, the guy we're going to talk about in the next segment has been able to do it. His name is Giannis. Yeah. I think
1: when you look at guys like Jimmy Butler and Paul George, those were periphery players. They were nice role players on playoff teams. And then eventually they grew into their games and they grew into being the lead dog. Now, Paul George is, again, a, a sidekick, but he, he certainly could be the best player on a, on a
0: playoff team. But not a championship team. I mean, I mean, he was the best player on the team last year. He got bounced in the first round by a team that this season is look on the outside looking at. That also was a team where I'm not sure if they were sure who the best player was. But he's never been on the oh, actually, he's been on the first round. But I think it was when he was young with the Pacers. He he went toe to toe. Let's
1: not forget with LeBron James in multiple playoff series and acquitted himself very well. And LeBron James had much more talent around him. I I, I, I Paul George is not. Kevin Durant or LeBron James or Giannis. But the the point I'm making is he went from someone who was a three option, like a glorified Otto Porter Jr., and then he became a bonafide all-star. And so can Pascal chart the same path? I think there are current blueprints of swing guys in the league who have done that same thing.
0: Yeah, I think if you are any somewhat disappointed with Pascal Siakam and where he is at his career, it's nuts. I, the only reason I'm even bringing this stuff up is because it's more of a mea culpa of my excitement of where Pascal Siakam was earlier in the season when I'm starting to talk about where he ranks amongst NBA players. And this is the doing of, if people blame the media for stuff, and I'm part of it, so I'll just say that part of the reason that Pascal Siakam's expectations are so high is because of people like me who told you to think Pascal Siakam's a little further along than maybe he was or got a little bit too ahead of themselves. But is this whole conversation a little bit of a straw man? What do, like, do you
1: mean? is there a—I I, I don't know. I, maybe I missed it. But I don't see Raptor's Twitter losing it, saying, man, Pascal's not the guy. We need to trade Pascal. It's no, not no, no. as no if one's... there's been a referendum after DeMar DeRozan had a bad playoff game or Kyle Lowry had a bad game, period. I don't feel like
0: there's a lot of people on the other side of this who are super concerned about Pascal. What I think it is, is people are having a tough time understanding how you criticize a team's best player— when the expectation was never that he was going to be this at this point of his career. You know what I mean? Like, he's been such an unbelievable accomplishment that he's so far ahead of where you thought he was going to be. Even this year, like, Siakam's taken another leap from where he was a season ago. There's just no doubt about it. Look at his numbers, look at everything. His usage, his responsibility, how he's performed, that people are looking at it and saying, what happens when Siakam has a night like he did against the Denver Nuggets? Can you even be critical of him considering... What he's done and what he's doing for this team already, especially when you're superimposing that on a fan base that really wants another championship. I don't think everyone believes they're by any means favorites, but I think a lot of people believe with the right bounces, with the right mix of their best players, that they can be right there with the Milwaukee's that they're not far off that it's not this pipe dream that they could beat them that there is a scenario and that based on last year's playoffs, what happened? The Raptors had a 1A guy that they could turn to in big moments, and he was the difference maker. And if they don't have that, can they do it? And who's the most likely guy to be that? It's Siakam. So I just think it's a whole bunch of stuff that's all wrapped up into – one big confusing pile. So I don't know. People
1: are struggling to figure out if they can criticize him because, like, who wants to criticize him? Like, there's there is no well, I've need. I've criticized him. Well, I mean, that's your prerogative. I don't think. But he... I
0: think my criticisms are fair. It... I'm not hammering. I'm not saying he's a loser. Like, I'm not saying he can't be anybody, but I'm saying, hey, man, if you want to beat good teams, you need Siakam to be better than a 40% shooter who scores 20 on 1 a night.
1: Well, you're legislating based off of 14 games. But based off of him overproducing. Totally. In the first place. Like I said, it's complicated. I'm not. No, I don't think it's that complicated. Okay. Like, I, I, don't, I, just, I just don't. I mean, maybe it is for you. Maybe you're struggling It with is. It. I, I'm but struggling I don't, I don't, I don't see a groundswell of people being like, man, is it fair? Should we criticize them? Should we not criticize them? I don't think out of all of the potential issues that this team could have, I don't think worrying about Pascal,
0: specifically on offense, is high on that. But would you agree that he is the biggest reason to believe they can win and the biggest question mark when it comes to their ability to win? Like you and I always talk about this. Generally the team with the best player wins a seven game series. How many series is he going to be in, in the Eastern conference? So like against the bucks, we know he's not the best player against the Celtics. He's definitely not the best player as of right now. That's Jason Tatum. I'm sorry. It's true. Against the Sixers. Are we really going to say he's better than Joel Embiid? Like in that All-Star game, I know it's the All-Star game, but when the team Siakam was on needed a basket, they went to Joel Embiid to try to get it to them. And the only reason that Siakam got touches was because he was the guy being guarded by James Harden. He's not better than Jimmy Butler and maybe Bam had a bio at this point. I'm just saying that... But these are all things that you knew in October. I wasn't. No, changed. I wasn't sure about those things in October. You thought, I was, you
1: thought he was gonna be better than Giannis in October? I thought that. You thought he was gonna be better than Joel Embiid in October? No, Nobody thought he was gonna be better than any of those people. I thought he might October. be better
0: than Jason Tatum and I thought that he might be better than Jimmy Butler. I think he still might be better than Jason Tatum. Uh, but these are things that are not gonna change
1: in the next 30 days. The point is like, you have a kid who's going for tutoring and you're getting mad at him that he's not getting the concepts. Like he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's getting the extra help. All of those teams that you mentioned, the Raptors have a better record than all but one of them. And it's not because they have a better one, a star, although he did start in the all-star game It's because collectively they are deeper and they are, are more sound on offense and defense. If that changes because playoffs changes, you play less people, the pace is slower. Sure. But these are all things that we've known the entire time, which is why some people didn't think they were going to be second in the East. So, I don't know. I just don't think that now in middle of the stretch run is the correct time to have the referendum on Pascal. I think he's overproducing. And just because he's not overproducing as much as he did a month and a half ago, doesn't mean that he's not overproducing, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's just that if you look at his games this year against the top 10 teams in the league, He's had really two dominant performances. One was against the Celtics. It was like, I think, the second week of the season. The other one was against Utah, where he had 35 points. And it was a Sunday game against Utah. They came in, they got blown out right away. You look at all the other ones, it's not a great sample of, yeah, a guy who's there yet. I get it. I know what you're saying. I'm not telling you that anything you said is incorrect. I actually loved the analogy that you just made about the tutor. It's just that, yeah, you have to have reservation about what the Raptors can achieve this year when we have yet to really see Siakam in really tough circumstances where good defense has been geared up against him, be able to dictate the matchup, be able to dictate and impose his will. It's just, we haven't seen it yet. It's just, that's all. Well, let's transition to OG.
1: He goes off for 30-plus, 7-plus steals. First guy since Lou Will to do that. First
0: Raptor ever to do it. Lou Will had 6 steals. Uh, he, had, he had 7 that's team. honestly one of the most shocking Raptors statistics of all time. The guy who I think is the worst defensive player in Raptors history had seven steals.
1: Um, he, he did not have it with the Raptors. He was the first player in franchise history uh, to have six-plus steals actually in consecutive games. But he, here's my point. Yeah. Because if we were to rewind the tape to the beginning of last season and we said, okay, we got Kawhi, Danny's a nice addition, you know, Kyle's a steady hand as an all-star, looking at the variables of this team, someone's going to need to take a jump to really propel them to the upper echelon of the top teams in the league. At the time, the Warriors were coming off of the championship and were stacked, and they just added DeMarcus Cousins. And as a media conglomerate, we we set our sights on two potential guys, Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. And it was pretty split as to which one of these two was going to take the leap. Those are the two names that were kept out of the trade with the Spurs in terms of getting Kawhi and giving up DeMar DeRozan. Which one of these guys is going to reach their potential? Now, obviously, we know Pascal. He became most improved player. I was always on Team Pascal. Okay. Fair enough. But you would acknowledge that it was relatively split. Yeah, for sure. OG has a tough year. Personal issues away from the floor, losing his father abruptly on the uh, he was banged up throughout the year, and then on the eve of the playoffs, my guy has to have his appendix removed. Never really got beautiful. in rhythm, but now we're starting to see. Okay, man, this is he's starting to scratch the surface. Usage rate goes up a little bit when when Norm is injured, stays up. Now that Fred and Mark and Serge are all injured, he puts together a couple of beautiful games. Now, it gets lost a bit because they were in losses, but specifically against Denver, Jokic is an MVP candidate and. I think OG Ananobi may have been the best player on the floor.
0: No, it's not may. We have stats for it. And the least efficient that Jokic was in that game was when he faced OG Ananobi. It's just, it is what it is. OG was the only guy with the strength. And we're talking Jokic about-
1: also had some passes that
0: there's no quarterback in Denver that could have made at this point.
1: I- like, like, he still had a huge impact on the game.
0: I asked this. This is a quick side tangent for you. I don't want to go along on this. Do you think that, like... No disrespect. I was trying to make the case the other day. I was on writer's block. As soon as you say no disrespect, you're about to disrespect someone. I'm saying no disrespect, but stats to me don't really matter as much anymore just in terms of comparing guys to cross generations. Like, I watched John Stockton. Nikolai Jokic is a better playmaker than John Stockton. Like, if I need a guy to make a play, it's like he's a better playmaker. Like, John Stockton couldn't do what Nikolai Jokic does. That one play Jokic made where he's falling out of bounds, grabs the ball with one hand, and dimes it all the way down the field in rhythm. I'm like... Yeah, that's not a thing John Stockton could do. The feel he had in that game, I'm like, yeah, that's you're not just hitting Karl Malone on the pick and roll here for dunks. You're just I'm just saying. I mean, I just who know. would you rather? Who do you think is the better John playmaker? Stockton
1: was able to pass with both hands off. The so dribble. can Jokic. Yeah, standing still, like, as a
0: seven footer,
1: it could. But Jokic couldn't play point
0: guard. Is the can't play. he? I no, saw him do it against the Raptors. No, he was pretty damn good at no, it. He played point center. Yeah, he can't
1: bring the ball up, turn a defender. Like, I understand what you're saying. There are things Jokic can do that Stockton can't. But there's also things Stockton could do that Jokic can't. Like what? Like, take someone <laughs> like, off the dribble and hit someone with a pocket pass uh, in stride for a dunk. All right.
0: I'm just saying, like, okay. I don't even like John Stockton. In yeah. His, yeah. Back, his back, to, back to our regular scheduled programming. OG Ananobi, since the All-Star break, has been awesome. He's shooting 56% from the field. His free throw shooting has always been good. He's... Uh, He's making over a three a game. And obviously his three-point shooting has, has been really just solid his entire career, essentially. 16 points per game, six rebounds, 2.6 assists. This is the number that's like, okay, well, three and a half steals. It's like that's really buoyed by back-to-back six and seven steal performances, but also a block and he doesn't turn the ball over. When all is said and done, when OG Ananobi's Raptors career comes to a close, I don't think he'll ever be as maybe good a defender as Kawhi Leonard was in this season. But I think he has a really good chance at being the best defensive player the Raptors have ever had. Um, wouldn't that mean he'd be better than Kawhi Leonard as a defender? Because the Raptors had Kawhi Leonard overall. I'm saying they've had really great defensive players, like Marcus Alls, a little behind it. PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker has been here. Doug Christie was here. They've had really, really good defensive players. Hakim one. Again, let's. I'm not. I'm not saying in their prime because obviously Jermaine O'Neal would be in that conversation then. But Jermaine O'Neal was not what Jermaine O'Neal once was when he was back there. I'm just saying that over the span of a career, OG Ananobi's legacy will maybe be, longevity-wise especially, the Raptors' best defensive player of all time. What do you think about that? I mean, longevity, sure, because Kawhi only played But even look at him now, I just... In that Denver game, he's defending one through five. He's defending Nikolai Jokic with more efficiency than anybody else on the floor. He goes out to the three-point line and all Jamal Murray can essentially do is shoot threes from four feet behind the three-point line and the Kitchener native is making them because he's the archer. He's the dead eye who's knocking those down from out there. But so Are you now a believer in Jamal Murray? I've always been a believer. I don't, I'm not a believer that he's one of the players that you know tilts the powers of the NBA. I think if he's your second best guy in a series against the Lakers Clippers, go down the line, you're not going to win. Either way... OG defends one through five like no other Raptors player right now. He's their ace in their hole defensively. He's the biggest reason that you believe they can slow down Giannis and the Bucks. or having someone play some isolation or try to mimic what they did last year with Kawhi plus Marcus Saul taking away the paint. He has the quickness. He has the speed. He has the anticipation skills. I just think that what we expect from him from a defensive standpoint, there's a floor there that's extremely high. It's an all-defensive team caliber player. And it's one that's especially important in an era where – Teams are going smaller, and they're asking guys who are wing players who are strong. Like, why are the Rockets having success right now? They have wing guys who can play defense, who can defend above their position, and knock down a three. Check, 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 check. All for OG and Anobi. What I'm so encouraged by is not the steals because I know he can do that. I know he can read a defense and use his length and spring out you of know nowhere. He could get six steals and back to back. No, I mean, that's an anomaly. But
1: try in your rec league tonight to get six No, but six
0: if, if I ever had to bet on one Raptors player getting six steals in back-to-back games, I'd bet on him.
1: I think I would bet
0: Kyle Lowry. Oh, I bet be Fred honest. number two. Fred's there, like, Fred's one among the steals leaders in the NBA, but yeah. Top five in deflection. So I would bet OG, then I bet Fred. I'm just saying I know he's capable of these things. What I'm really loving from him is his... He's improving his ability to identify when he has a mismatch offensively and when they've given him some chances to score in isolation or to catch a pass down low and finish against a smaller defender, he's done those things. The assertiveness offensively seems to slowly be coming along. And I wonder if it has to do with what you said, which is that his career has been derailed by tragedy and injury and that now he's kind of starting to find his footing a little bit in a way that maybe we underestimated because he was healthy coming into camp.
1: And he's had no pressure
0: in terms of finding that footing because Norm has
1: taken another step. So his ascension hasn't been as vital in terms of them winning. And that is actually my point in terms of Pascal and why I want to bring up OG and compare the two because life is all about expectations. In the fall of 2018, again, you're Team Pascal, sure. But you'd say it wasn't a landslide. It's a photo finish on whether or not one guy took – the leap or the other, or maybe they both did. I just
0: loved Siakam's ball handling. I just thought that was the differentiator between the two.
1: Sure. But if we, took, if we took all the Raptors, never mind just Pascal and OG, and you hadn't seen them play basketball before, and you ran them through a combine, everything that the NBA does in Portland, and we're like, okay, point out who you want to start with. Who in this group is going to be a star? Certainly it would not be Fred VanVleet or Kyle Lowry. Pascal would be high on the list, but I think the guy who most of the scouts would be like, give me some of that dude would be O.J. Ananobi. He can jump. He's strong. He's still growing into his body, even though he's so young. His form on his three-point shot is good, even though sometimes he hits the side of the basket, and sometimes it's wet and nothing but net. And now, as we're starting to see, he's starting to put together a game in terms of being able to handle with both hands, being able to put it on the floor and take a defender. And the other thing about him that actually he is advanced in terms of his ascension in relation to Pascal, he's always under control. Can't speed him up, can't rush him. So much so that I'm like, man, you're in the paint. Just go down and put down a dunk ferociously. And he just goes up and like lays it softly with two hands. Like he's not here for slapping the backboard or just crushing someone's soul. Where Pascal, God love him. Sometimes it's like, Okay, you're moving so fast. Did you make that move up on the fly? Like, did you have a plan, or did you try and see we'll work
0: this out? He's like your subconscious. It's like you don't even know you're doing it. It's just like it's just happening. It's all you're you're relying on mechanics. It's like breathing for Siakam when he's doing some of these moves around the rim. Watching OG, I don't know if I can remember a player, certainly not on the Raptors, who I was more astonished by when it comes to their athleticism. But then also looked more awkward at times. Like he's still growing into his body. When he's like ball handling, he's trying to go to the rim. Sometimes you're like, oh, he looks so awkward. Even when he's running the floor, like he's kind of got that like slouch to him a little bit sometimes. Where it looks like he's like hanging his shoulders over. You know what I mean? It just he doesn't look. He looks so athletically imposing. He's so strong. He's so quick. And yet there are times where I look at him and say, man, you're so clunky. And it's just not fluid here.
1: But everything you just described is exactly how I felt about early Kawhi. And then just at some point like a light switch went off and it's like oh yeah no he has a offensive game and he just really can't utilize it as much because he's in the spur system but whenever they need him to take over he's just this different player and then he comes to the raptors and he's totally unleashed and we're like wow he had all this to his game and that was him working back to full strength but the awkward moments are there for sure but again i'm reticent to compare anyone to Kawhi, but watching Hit the steps that he's taking early in his career
0: it's it's, it's a lot of light so it's also too important to remember that Siakam's 25, OG Ananobi's 22 so the biggest leaps in Siakam's career have come later and OG Ananobi still has more pedigree in terms of where he came from with his basketball background to wrap up this conversation who do you think is closer to their ceiling as a player OG or Siakam? Siakam, not close closer to his ceiling? Oh, yeah I think so sure. too yeah, yeah. I mean, how much higher could it go is one thing, but also, like, yeah, I think it's, like, it's more likely that OG makes one more big leap as a player. We kind of ran long on this one. I don't know. I'll let you on the fly dictate where you want to go.
1: Well, as much as we talked about
0: Shaq I'm not playing well against Denver
1: and you know, Kyle not playing that well against Denver, the three-point shooting was atrocious and, in fact, now becoming a trend. Worst three-point shooting games this year... Jan 2 at the Heat.
0: Oh, God, that game was so 14%
1: horrible. 14% from three. <laughs> December yeah. 12th versus the Clippers. And that was a loss. 22% from three. Now, here's where I'm concerned. February 28th, not that long ago, versus the Hornets in a loss. 23%. December 9th against the Bulls, 24%, also a loss. Mm. Noticing a trend here? They're losing these games. October 28th versus the Magic. 25%, a win. It was the Magic. Sunday. Uh, Against the Nuggets, 26%
0: loss. Don't you think that's true for all teams? Like, it's just such a high-variant shot that some days you miss them all and then you lose.
1: Correct. But the issue is, when you look at the Nuggets game and the Hornets game, they've come relatively recently. During their 15-game winning streak, they shot 40% from three. Oh, yeah. I think they led the NBA. Six games since, they've shot 31%. And even when you look at, and these stats are not mine, we're helped by producers. Pre-All-Star break, they shot 37%. Thirteen makes, post all star thirty two percent, still thirteen makes. So the volume has actually gone up. The makes have stayed the same. Yeah, but, but they've been missing
0: Fred now for a couple of games. They're missing Siakam. They're missing Gasol. Like all those guys are plus three point shooters. Well, they're not missing Siakam.
1: They're missing. Serge. Sorry,
0: what I, I said. Yeah, Surge.
1: Yes, they're missing
0: three. Serge guys. is forty percent. Gasol's been close to forty percent, and I'm guessing that Fred is close to forty percent. But think
1: result. about that. Two of your centers yeah. are your better three points Oh shooters. hell
0: yeah! You're going from. Here's the thing, man. You're going from Serge Ibaka shooting 40% from three and Marcus Gasol shooting 40% from three to Chris Boucher, who I think is sub 30, and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who anytime he even looks at a three, I'm like, you stop it now. Nick Nurse, you stop it right now, Nick Nurse sir. makes a meme <laughs> yeah, every time yeah. he looks at it. Yeah. three. He but, looks at threes and he sees his minutes flash before his eyes. It's like, Rondé, you take that and you're going to sit. Well, but here's the issue,
1: though. And, and you, you talked about the legislating how we look at all of this through the guise of... Well, can you beat the Bucks? Because if not, who cares? Who cares if we've been a second or third or sixth? And now, remember we thought it was, a, it was six to two is real close. Now it's like two and three is close. It's Boston, Toronto, and everyone else has fallen off.
0: Yeah, but so five and six is close, and there's a real scenario. The Raptors could be three and the Sixers could be six. True.
1: <laughs> that
0: gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um,
1: but, but none of that matters if you can't beat Milwaukee. And what does Milwaukee do historically better than anybody
0: defensively? They take away the paint.
1: They take away the paint. You yeah. can't score at the rim. And they take away corner threes. So mm-hmm. top of the key, wing threes is what you get. As good as the Raptors' defense has been this year, it's the reason why they've been as good as they are, the Bucs have by far a better defense by, by four points per game. The difference between one and two, the Bucks and the Raptors, is the same difference between the Raptors' two and 16, the Dallas Mavericks. I know. I just so If the have, Raptors
0: were healthy all year, I wonder what that would look like.
1: But here. the point is, if the Raptors are going to beat Milwaukee— They're going to have to score, and they're going to have to take and make threes because that's all Milwaukee gives you. Because with Lopez and Giannis, you're not getting to the rim. You're not even getting five feet from the basket. And so the most alarming thing for me in this stretch, if we're looking at this team right now in terms of can they make another finals, if you're going through Milwaukee, you're going to have to make threes. This group of late, of this slump, has shown that the three ball isn't there. And so that leads me to my next question. What season is it?
0: Bio season because the Matt Thomas minutes are either here or they're non existent. Here's the thing about Matt Thomas, and I don't mean to be harsh to the fan base here. He can't play. Like, what are we doing here? Well, but you know what? Every time he gets in a game when I'm in the building. Yeah, if he gets like, around two perfect screens and he gets a wide open look, like awesome. But, but he. But every time he gets in the game, the whole building's like,
1: oh, he's in the game. He's got to get a three. He's got to get a three that's, because that's all he can do. Well, correct. But this is a team that needs to do that better.
0: But so he can't get a clean look because he's not tall enough or fast enough or athletic enough to create any separation on his own ever. So can, can I interest you in, in a buyout candidate that may be able to impact you from three? I mean, you can pitch it to me. But my thing is, is that slump also happens to coincide with those three guys I mentioned that you're missing, who are three of your best four or five three-point shooters on the team. Can I interest you in a Kent Bazemore? 38.9% from three. Sure. So. I mean, yeah, I'll take a Kent Bazemore for nothing. Can I interest you in a Wayne Ellington? Kent Bazemore's bought out
1: right now? No, but he's, go- like, uh, he's, a Ken- like, he's going to be. Okay, I was like... like he's, wh- he's someone who will be, like the Tristan Thompsons, he, he's of that ilk, and this is when oh. it happens. Can I interest you in a Wayne Ellington?
0: No. 37.8%. Wayne Ellington is banned forever. You blew it, Wayne Ellington. You had your chance last year. You could have been on a title team. 61.5 minutes field goal Detroit off Pistons. of screens. You're talking about people getting shots off of screens. No. Nobody. In the Wayne league. Ellington is banned. He's canceled. He's canceled. He's done. He turned the Raptors down in a championship season, and he went. he's like, I want to play minutes. I want to try to get my free agency money up. He's okay, like, but you're it, irrelevant, Wayne but Ellington. Come no play for the Raptors. Is that punishing him or punishing you? I think it's punishing him. You don't get to become. You don't are on the squad now, Wayne Ellington. Too late. Too late.
1: <laughs> no chance. No chance. Being petty is not wise. Yeah, well, too bad. It's like drinking poison (laughs) and hoping someone else gets sick. You you shouldn't do it. All
0: right. I'm not interested. I just overall, do you think the Raptors have a problem here? Because I don't. just, I do. I think that when they're healthy, they have Norm Powell, Marcus Gasol, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, like Fred Van Vliet. All those guys can hit a three. Those are the guys they are playing. The only dudes, like Terrence Davis. I just named you their rotation. Outside, There's one dude, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who can't shoot. This slump has coincided where they've needed a ton more Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who's the one guy that cramps the floor. for them. Nick Nurse has done a great job designing some plays for Rondé at the rim, but ultimately, like I have eight shooters on this team. There's a reason that they to- shoot a lot of volume. There's a reason why they went on that 15 game streak, even without Gasol. Outside of a random step
1: back in the finals against the Warriors, Serge Ibaka is a catch and shoot three point shooter. Yeah, he's not he's not breaking you down off the dribble and, and hoisting. But neither is Marcus, Ellington. Marques is allergic. To shooting a three unless he but is. But you want Wayne Ellington
0: open. to come in and be taking shots off the bounce for you. So you can be what? The 12th. You can be the Atlanta Hawks or the bench player for the Portland Trailblazers. Like, what are we talking about? I here? think
1: the. I didn't say I wanted. I think it's yeah. a fair conversation. This roster as presently constituted with their inability to destroy you from mm. three. The Rockets set their franchise record from three against the Bucks. So did the Nuggets so do the sixers they will give you three yeah, but the raptors are a better 3 point shooting team than the sixers the, the, the raptors have also not beat the bucks this year yeah so, so two s- games some of four right so my point is something has to give you can't do what has worked for the rest of the nba most of which as we've talked about have been sub 500 teams and then expect that exact same formula I don't think to work in a seven game series against the milwaukee
0: bucks yeah i don't i don't think that your wayne ellington or Ken Bazemore is worth half of a win share against either of those teams. Like, you're, you're asking me to play now Wayne Ellington over one of the guys I just mentioned. Like, I want to see Terrence Davis play over those guys. Terrence Davis is better than those guys. Like, he does more for you. If I'm going to beat the Bucs, I also have to play defense, and I also have to be able to make shots. And I think all those guys' combinations are better than those guys. If, you, if you're telling me I get one for free to be at the end of the bench in case of emergency well, that's or injury... But that's
1: what a bio sure. is. I mean,
0: you cut... Stanley, But even still, Sorry. if you need a three, if the Raptors are in a spot where they're like, hey, we need a couple threes, then that's where I don't mind breaking out Matt Thomas and saying, here's our three format Thomas plays like they did against the Bucs. We got off a couple of shots. He nailed them because he nails every basically he's shooting over 50 percent from three, which means that when he gets his chances, he's knocking them down at an insane clip. He might be the best three point shooter in the NBA. Like, honestly, I think it's like there's a real case to be made that wide open in a gym. He's like Steph Curry level good at shooting three pointers. Like, we're ruling that out? Like, he might not have the range, but just from three, like, just from where he needs to make it, you're sure Matt Thomas with his feet set, you trust Steph Curry more?
1: I trust Steph Curry more. I trust Klay Thompson more. I know, I know. I probably trust Bradley Beal and Devin Booker more. No, no, no.
0: No, Devin Booker. God. Let's do a quick RJ talk. Give 45 seconds on RJ. I love RJ Barrett. I need RJ Barrett to be a thing. I have a lot of chips in the emotional equity of RJ Barrett fund. Like wasted fifteen seconds, we've learned nothing. I waste. (laughs) I I watched RJ Barrett play for Team Canada. I watched him beat the States. I started to get little things in my head, little dreams, little pixies running around. He signs with Duke, and I, as a proud Canadian, say, "What's all the Zion Williamson hype about? They have RJ Barrett. That's the win of the class. RJ's the guy. RJ leads them in scoring." He's the guy they get the ball too late. And granted, he came up a little short in the way they lost the tournament. There was a lot of talk about it should have been Zion's possession. It wasn't. It was RJ. That's who Coach K trusted with the final possession. I said, going into the draft, RJ Barrett over John ja Morant for me. John ja Morant, they discovered in a gym somewhere. He played for some Murray State. Who cares about that? I don't care about his one good game in the tournament. Give me the guy with the pedigree, the name, the godson of Steve Nash, all of these things. That's over now. Like There's no more debating whether or not RJ should have gone third in that draft. Like, that's over. I'm going to get exposed on old takes exposed someday for all my RJ over Jaw stuff. However, I think I underestimated the sapping power of the New York Knicks. RJ Barrett's 19 years old. He's averaging 14 a game. He's not been very efficient. He's still turning the ball over too much. He still has bad decision making when it comes to shots. But the infrastructure around him is just so decrepit I like to call my favorite athletes my son, you know? Like, I root for this guy like my son. And I can't imagine what it feels like watching your son play for the Knicks. They're just terrible. You've got Julius Randle out there just shamelessly looking for his own ends every single night. There's no one on that team that's really interested in winning whatsoever. They've got James Dolan barring Spike Lee from using whatever entrance he wants and having him get into it with security employees who are run by the worst owner in all of professional sports. Like, imagine Drake showed up at any entrance at Scotiabank Arena and was like, "Uh, I'm coming in here. They're like, no, Drake, this is not the proper entrance. Like, (laughs) what are we talking about? It's Spike Lee. Let him in wherever he wants. If he wants to come in through the roof, if Spike Lee, like, cuts a hole in the roof like a bank robber and he drops in with a a cable like an army guy on service members night, who cares? Spike Lee gets to do it. And instead they're quibbling because he's probably coming in entrance. He comes in all the time and they're giving him crap over it. It's just, it's a clown show over there. It's firing coaches again. It's, oh, now we've got Leon Rose. coming with World Wide West. Oh, World Wide West isn't coming. Now we're interviewing our players about this agent. It's just, it's horrible that RJ is there. I need someone to rescue RJ Barrett. We got to go in like in the middle of the night, like, uh, did you ever see Zero Dark Thirty? They go in at night. They got the SWAT team. It's in the cover of night. They go. <laughs> so they go in. They park the chopper like outside. And then they break into the compound. It's like. Koo-goosh! They're coming through the door. They got the machine guns. They're like wiping everybody out. They're getting everybody Down. Down go these guys. Let's get RJ out of here. Chopper. Back to America. Back to Canada. Let's take RJ Barrett back to Toronto. He's a Raptor now. How do you think that scenario has faded for you? What about
1: 45 seconds did you not understand?
0: I don't care. (laughs) I can't take it anymore. I can't take watching RJ Barrett spend his golden young years as a New York Knick. I just, I won't have it, sir. I cannot have it. I will not stand for it. I thought the Knicks would be fine. I was like, RJ, you're the perfect guy to go fix the Knicks. And it's like, no, look at Chris Epster-Zingas. Chris Epster-Zingas is now doing things that no one has ever done in NBA history, like literally doing unprecedented things. I think he dropped 38 the other night. The Knicks gave him away for a guy they don't play and some crap draft picks. Save RJ Barrett. Someone do that trade.
1: So in terms of... Why do you have off to say that? Yeah, I mean, New York's great. It's got Squarespace sure. Jersey. it has got an Indochino deal. It's got a Bleacher Report series. New York's a great place to live, but everything else, it's terrible. It could be probably the worst spot to place a young player
0: in all of professional sports. Like in all of the Big Four, where is there a worse place to put a young, like talented player right now than the New York Knicks? Yeah, I don't
1: know, Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> I don't know. Um for the few Canadians fans listening to be more upset. I mean it's
0: like those guys are pissed. They're like <laughs> um, unnecessary. Sorry, Bruce. Compare us to
1: the Knicks? When you look at Memphis, I mean they haven't had a lot of success. They're rebuilding now, but they certainly have been able to develop players. Yeah, and they're Marcus was developed in that program. Mike Conley was developed in that program. I think both got more out of the talent than we thought. And they're doing okay. a great job with with Jaren Jackson. Dylan Brooks has a nice start to his career and their Brandon issue, Clark, Brandon Clark, their issue has been getting anyone to augment that talent, getting free agents in there. It hasn't been about developing. When you look at the New Orleans Pelicans, they've developed stars. Chris Paul, Anthony Davis. Couldn't keep them, but they were able to develop them. Now you have this way entirely to go. New Hang your banners. <laughs> With David Griffin, who is all about slow playing things and developing players. So those are actually much better spots to land in terms of your player development in your first three years, which impact the rest of your career. Off the court, it's great for RJ. On the court, it's terrible. So the fact that he is showing some signs, he is in a clutch moment taking P.J. Tucker off the dribble and scoring on him at the basket to win a game. He's doing that despite the fact that there is no institutional knowledge on how to develop a player because they've never done it.
0: There's no infrastructure. They've they've
1: never tried to one. They've never had the appetite to, and even the few times they have, they haven't been able to. Frankie Smokes is a disaster. I mean, he's good defensively, but he's he's not a point guard disaster. Kevin Knox was in Kentucky
0: a couple years ago. Smith Junior was drafted by Dallas. I know, but I'm just saying he's been an abject disaster as a the one guy who, despite
1: their dysfunction showed signs was Chris Stapps numerically. His numbers were not better than RJ's now. And people at the time were like, Oh, he's a unicorn. Even he got out of there on the first part of his three year deal, which never, ever, ever happens. So the, I think the hope for RJ is he gets there, secures the bag, gets some nice off the court endorsements. And then he says peace after three years, which again, three to five, which again, n- hardly ever happens. But maybe he finds a better landing spot after the fact. I think that's the hope if you are a Canadian basketball fan because whether it's this market or virtually any other one, they'd be better for him than the current
0: situation. I mean, you can't o- wait the, for RJ to convince actual... Zion to come play in Toronto. Like, I just can't wait. Does the I...
1: only actual comp, and it's sad that this has happened as Canadian basketball fans, the, the only comps in terms of markets and franchises that were bad in terms of developing young players the minnesota timberwolves and of course they had andrew wiggins i would say the mid-2000 cleveland cavaliers and of course they got anthony bennett when Le- when lebron wasn't there and probably the sacramento kings
0: but i think a lot of that is them just making bad choices on who mm. they draft yeah i was gonna say they've developed fox fine. i think that I don't know. It's tough for me to look at development versus who are can't miss guys. I just think that yeah, RJ Barrett is a fourteen point a game volume shooter now. Like he's sub forty percent from the but floor. But it's not
1: that hard to look at development. The Raptors developed players. Point blank period. The Golden State Warriors developed Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. No,
0: dude. Yeah, you're right. I just what I'm saying here though is that I think RJ Barrett needs more development than I realized at the time. Like he's he's shooting less than sixty percent from free throws. Thirty two percent from three. I think he's about 38% from the floor this season. He's got to work on cutting down the turnovers on the playmate. The playmaking is good, not great. The shooting is clearly not there yet. He's got the ability to finish at the rim, but he's got to do a better job as a guy who is going to draw fouls as a lefty of knocking down his free throws. But that's the part that scares me is I think that RJ Barrett's ceiling is as a all-star perennial, all-star player. His floor might be lower than I thought. And if you're with the Knicks, like you just said it. What are the odds that the Knicks are going to put him in a circumstance or have the infrastructure around him to start getting the better pieces out of him? That scares the crap out of
1: me. No, the, he will be put in a position to succeed. It will happen this summer. God willing, the coronavirus doesn't ruin the Olympics. It's going to happen in Tokyo. And Nick Nurse is going to get the most out of RJ. And RJ is going to think to himself, hmm,
0: forget forgot about securing the bag in New York. What if I secure the bag in Canada? Yeah, bring Zion. That's what I'm saying. Him and Zion, they're going to team up. They're gonna come up to Toronto, the two of them. He's like Zion, you're not gonna play in New Orleans. He's like, no, no, no. We, don't, did don't did it. Him. we already have a four. His name's P Skills. Yeah, Zion's is five. Oh yeah, no, you're gonna say no, to Zion. You're like, hey, Zion, we're good. We already have Siakam pass. <laughs> Stay in New Orleans. You're you're mad at me because I want to pass on uh, Wayne Ellington, and you're passing on Zion Williamson. I'm, I'm happy. Uh, same with, podcast. I'm happy with Chris Boucher and yeah. Derwan Hernandez. Um. I watched a bachelor. I wanted to talk to you about it. I wanted to share my thoughts. I'll do maybe you can do that promote next it next week. Yeah. Okay. Next week on, well, actually they go next week on free association. Oh my God. I watched the bachelor. That's coming up next Who week. Whose voice is that? Me. Yeah. <laughs> that was me doing my watching. Actually, here's a real impression of me watching the bachelor next week on free association. The bachelor's on. That's my recap. It's not a visual medium. <laughs> it is on It is on the podcast on YouTube. If you want that, go to YouTube now watch both. Hey, uh, shout out to the, all the associates. We love you to death. Please subscribe. Please share. Please review. Do all those things. And don't leave nasty comments on YouTube because I'm done reading them anyways. Uh, we'll catch you next week.